Hello and welcome to The Bridge. My name is Brandon and I'm joined again today by my co-host Zach uh, and we have another album to review. I'm very excited to talk about this today because I've probably put hours and hours into listening to this album. Uh, so, <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, wow. yeah. Uh, so this is probably the most listened to album uh, uh, yet for me in terms of before one of these episodes. I got to it early and I got to it over a few times over. Um, but what are you, you serving here you, today? Uh, today I'm drinking some East German beer. Very delicious. But go ahead, what you're asking? On the last podcast, you said you had big opinions about this record. So I almost wish that I didn't hear you say that before I listened to it. Okay. Because uh, it made me come with certain expectations, I guess. And I don't know if they were met. Okay, sure. Um, and also, this record's only 30 minutes long, like 32 minutes long, and you've listened to it how many times? Oh, I've definitely listened to it front to back uh, a good six times. Oh, wow. So it's, it's, it's a few hours of, uh, of listening has gone into this. Yeah, I'll get more <laughs> part of that is because it is 30 minutes, and it's uh, in that Brandon sweet spot where uh, under 40 minutes is kind of like my key album length is where i prefer to see them so 30 uh -huh. minutes perfect for me just a longer than an ep and enough to be an lp that's, that's well if, if it sounds like i'm speaking out of my ass then at least you're standing on good authority <laughs> i don't know i don't know we'll, we'll get to that because i uh i i i this was a roller coaster listening experience and that's why i had to listen to it so much is because um my perspective changed a few times. My opinions went up and down and I had to take a, a break from it and come back to it and readjust. Cause there was a lot of biases uh, going into this album for me um, because hey. I am aware of this band and I'm aware of an album they released back in 2012 called attack on memory. Um, but I guess I don't know if I've even mentioned the name of the album yet. Um, no, neither have we mentioned the name of the band. No, I don't <laughs> think we have. Title we podcast, uh, the album we're talking about uh, this week is Cloud Nothings, uh, and the name of their album is The Shadow I Remember. So I got a little ahead of ourselves. A little excited, I, uh, obviously, for getting into this. Um, yeah, I, I went up and down because I'm aware of that album, and that album is one of my favorite albums of all time. Just bar not. I love that album. Um, yeah, you you introduced me to the band through that record maybe a couple of years ago now. And yeah. um, I remember listening to it and really liking it. And then I guess it just, you know, fell in the backlog and I kind of forgot about it. And then listened to it again to recontextualize myself with the band this week. And man, that is such a great record. Mm -hmm. It's so Absolutely. outstanding that I think... You know, other records by the band may sort of live in its shadow. It's hard. It's hard not to live in its shadow. Honestly, yeah. it's one of those situations with a band where they have this super well-received album, uh, kind of like Nas, maybe if you're a, a rap head, where they mm -hmm, have yeah. Illmatic, and then these yeah. other albums kind of are constantly in the shadow of that album. Um, but to give a little more context, we're talking about a Cleveland, Ohio band. Uh, band is loose. Uh, the lead singer, Dylan Baldi, is actually more or less the entire encompassing of that band. It's kind of like he's a, a national Trent Reznor kind of situation. Yeah, he's the mastermind behind the project. And then there's just different actors coming in, filling in for the band. Um, I think he's got a set, set group that he is part of the band. But... Um, Maybe this will help explain it a little better. Is when he started this band, he used he used to write. Uh, he was in college and he would write songs, and he'd post them to MySpace under random aliases, random bands that he just made up. Uh, uh -huh. And one of those that he he submitted under was Cloud Nothings, uh, but it's just made up band. It's just him, you know, making the music himself. Um, and you can kind of tell that listening to the album that he eventually ends up releasing under that title. Um, but what happens is a promoter contacts him and wants him to open up for a show in New York. And then suddenly he's like, I don't even have a band. Like what's going on here? <laughs> um, Shit. 
So he, my big break, and I have I have no bandmates. So quickly he 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 gets everything together, finds a bandmate, starts practicing, uh, drops out of college, and just does this thing full time. He just kind of like yeah, fuck you, fuck uni. I'm gonna be a rock star. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of this guy's this story. He's just like made up some bands, but made a good enough song that he got some attention, and then he kind of had to pull his weight, and he made the band from there. Uh, so that band that he he created, uh, with the exception of one member, uh, it's basically been Cloud Nothings the whole time. Uh huh. Okay, I understand now. And from what I understand, just reading the a little bit about the about this record specifically, is that the record is a sort of nostalgic. It is a little bit of a revisionist piece that is nostalgic for those early. I think what I read was bedroom days. So I guess that would be like his college yeah. days when he was putting music out on um, on spot on MySpace. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So I th- and the record really in the way it's produced and mixed and the tight length of the tracks. Most of the tracks are like two three minutes. One coming in at under two minutes. And like we said already, the album's only thirty two minutes from front to back, and it's eleven tracks. It's a very tight record. And very much is not unfinished feel, but it's uh, got like a retro feel to it, at least in my opinion. A little bit of rawness, maybe. Um, Yeah, it's raw. The first album, well, I believe you told me you listened to, he came after he got a record deal after, you know, he created the Cloud of Nothings in 2009. First album comes out 2010. And it's a lot, it's different than this album, even though there's this, claim for a nostalgia there the the first album has a lot of rawness to it in its protection uh, production techniques and in how it comes out it's very scuzzy and kind of shoegazy um structurally kind of similar but um I th- i'd say it's very different from his other work uh even even attacking turning, memory. turning on you're referring to yes turning on. yes it's initial mm-hmm. uh I, I found it to be very noisy and scuzzy and raw and more uh, uh, earnest, you know, kind of like that from the heart of, uh, approach. You can tell it's rough around the edges and, and not quite attack a memory. And it's even like different, uh, almost like a, a genre shift between there and attack a memory, uh, just because of how the production kind of changes so much. Um, how did you, did you, you said you listened to the first one. How, how did you kind of? Uh, think so it. the first one for me, I agree with everything you're saying. However, I did find that it's a pretty big record and 13 tracks. And even though it is very noisy and very loud and sort of scuzzy and raw, it also takes its moments to take a pause and take a breath and it slows things down. Mm-hmm. Whereas this record, The Shadow I Remember, couple tracks shorter but it's sort of in your face the whole time the tempo never really lets up and for that reason i found it to be to have to be not have as much diversity Mm -hmm. and it can be it it can be a little bit difficult to distinguish one song from the next i found and there was one song i really liked the the guitar riff but it was hard to find what track it was in the track list because as I was going through all the songs, they all sounded so similar. Right. I, I actually agree with you. I don't want to jump to headline to how, how my first listen went. Cause I think that's a, that's a story in itself. Um, first I need to tell the story of attack of memory a little bit. Um, For sure. So that comes out in 2012 and it is a classic album. In my opinion, a favorite of mine, uh, a record, a record that I would note firstly, for the fact that the noise rock legend himself, Steve Albini, produced it. And if you don't know who that is, uh, and you need a quick resume, uh, this is the guy Kurt Cobain personally sought out to produce In Utero. So he's, he's, he's responsible for In Utero. He's responsible for some Slint albums, um, notably Tweez, uh, The Jesus Lizard, Melt Banana, Mogwai we talked about uh, in our last episode. Uh, he's also produced for them. He's produced for McLusky, The Stooges, Sun O, uh, and of course he's responsible for his own bands like Shellac and Big Black. 
uh, he's like a powerhouse. You know, he's my favorite producer, probably strictly. Uh, also, it should be noted that he they returned to him to produce this record. Right, right. Uh, I think that's a funny fact that I'll, I'll get to it in a bit. Um, it, the, the, the Tech on Memory album, I would say, um, I really enjoyed because of the crazy builds and the energetic breakdowns uh, and the, uh, the good pacing, emotional highs, catchy emo rock tracks that also that kind of offset some of the other interesting ideas and instrumental tracks. And there was a different flavor as you go through throughout the album. And it's very diverse and its tracks really stand out, I think. Well, that, that, uh, that track, Wasted Days, is... Mm-hmm. A power. It's, uh, it distinguishes the tra- the album amongst all the rest, you know, just based on that one one track. Not to say that the rest of the album isn't good because it is, but they just they do so many things in that one track. That, right. That uh, that one track is like their magnum opus. Honestly, I, I believe it's their best song. Yeah. Um, handsome through it all discovery. So nine years later, we have this album. Obviously, there's the albums between between those and here uh they're actually pretty prolific i believe this is their seventh album eighth album um, every couple of years they release some new music yeah so i think you're right yeah i even listened to their 2018 record um impassive uh back when that came out so i i guess i'll get into how my first listen went uh when i commented and talked about this album and how i had a lot of opinions to give on uh, our last recording, I had only listened to it once. So this first rec- first listen was kind of what I was basing this off of. I hated mm-hmm. this album. I fucking hated this album through and through uh, after my first listen. I got 20 minutes in, and I was upset. I was in a bad mood. I went into this album in a really good mood, and I left in a really bad mood. Um, it just went so, so bad. The first time I listened to it, also it bummed me out. Yeah, because yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was super derivative and very samey, like very one note. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I I wrote down a few comments. So I mentioned how I really enjoyed uh, the breakdowns in that original album, and going into this album, I think I heard two, two breakdowns worth worth anything. Uh, I believe they're on the opening track, Oslo. And the spirit of, I thought those breakdowns were pretty good, you know, uh, pretty good. But they uh, were just all right, you know. There's nothing on here, and I, it's a terrible to compare the two. But there's no wasted days here, not in this album at all. No, nothing even coming close to it. So it's like this album like teases me almost. It, it gives me these short builds sometimes, in like those two tracks, but it never fully delivers in the way I want it to. Um, I kept on thinking, like, his vocals never felt this nasally to me before. Like, it's never come off so weird and, like, hard to digest before. Uh, I don't know if I was just in a bad mood and I was just kind of, like, picking at all of it. Uh, I was just kind of sat there listening to the album uh, Defeated, and I noted, I guess they're just a rock band now with some pop vocals. I guess that's what this album is, and I guess what this—that's what they've turned into. And I just was so tired of it. They have some—are they writing like great rock hooks on this album? There's a few okay ones. There's some bad ones too. Uh, they're almost trying to be anthemic in some ways. Like I, I kind of got like a Dookie Green Day kind of like I wish I was kind of feel off some of this, but like yeah. yeah. It just didn't, it just wasn't, I, I wish they would create more sprawling builds and create some longer songs. You can uh, keep some of these courses that they got in here uh, and the gangle guitar and this kind of like that pop rock tinge, but push the vocal performance and into more that strained emo range. I, I'm used to more uh, like on Wasted Days he does. And on some of these tracks he does in the later ends, but they're so few and far between. It just felt so subdued and safe. Didn't feel like they were saying anything or writing anything that needed to be heard 
when I was listening to this the first time. Those were kind of like my notes when I took away the first time I listened to this album. So you didn't I, like the nasally vocal delivery on a song like uh, The Spirit Of, for instance? Oh, Those were the songs. The Spirit Of, I note because I believe there's a time he goes into that strained kind of nasally emo, emo range where like yeah. he's kind of like putting more effort into it. And, and like it's a more emotionally tinged delivery. I love that. That's like my favorite. But there's yeah, like that tracks. Go ahead. That tracks like a hardcore emo throwback. Right. And uh, the constant refrain. Um, how does it go? No way out. He keeps on. He, this, that's the refrain in the song, and he gets very nasally. Mm-hmm. And the louder he goes, the more nasally he becomes. Mm-hmm. And it's nasally. It's almost like a. It becomes almost a whine. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah. Uh, I, I like the, the track grew on me the more I listened to it. Spirit and Up is one of those vocal. songs that I ended up coming away with being more positive than other songs. On. I, I, I would say there's almost like a Blink-182 feel sometimes with the, the type of nasal he delivers, uh, which is uh-huh. not a good thing uh, to me. <laughs> um, there's like three kinds of singing on this album. There's this, yeah. this standard, you know, chorus singing, uh, verse singing, kind of like in like a regular voice and then he's got that nasally tinged version where some he gets kind of whiny and then he gets the strained emo version and i like uh the strained emo i think his regular singing voice is okay and then the sh- kind of like that nasally pocket annoyed me mm-hmm. okay so, so like there's a lot coming at me here that i was trying to digest when i was listening to this album and okay, I actually so... noticed at this point, before we go too fresh further, I actually noted at this point, I wish Steve Albini produced this album. That's what I he said. He did produce friend. this album. Exactly. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, yeah. I see where we're going. So I didn't realize he had produced this album. You mentioned it to me the other day uh, that he produced this album, and I was like, excuse me? And like... <laughs> I had I immediately went back and listened to it. And I was like, there's no way he produced this album. And was, he did. Because I was living in... I had to crush my own dreams a little bit. Because I went back and I was like, maybe I'm just being curmudgeoned, you know, with my listen. Maybe I should go in and give it a different shot and, you know, kind of accept what's going on a little bit more than I have been, you know. If Steve Albini's producing it, maybe there's more here than I heard the first time. You were letting your expectations get in the way. Yeah. So I was, I was wondering how biased maybe I was being. Um, and I went back and did some further listenings. Before we get to that, you were, you were saying something? Well, I was going to ask you how you thought the music corresponds to his vocal performance on some of the tracks. The Spirit Of, for instance. Uh, in what way do you mean? Uh, for instance, we were speaking about how his voice builds towards this nasally delivery. And yeah. I found that, uh, okay, I wasn't super jammed on the vocals. However, I did find that the band corresponded to the build in his voice very well with their own musical build. But the problem was, is that the the tracks are just so tight. They're so short that those builds are so short lived. Uh, I noted and and kind of what you're referencing here. I felt when I went and did some further listening and I particularly focused on the breakdowns and, and kind of what did I like about attack on memory that isn't here. It's kind of what I kind of I went back into it, or I said maybe I'm biased. Let's let this album stand on its own and let's not think about Attack on Memory. So I, I took several different approaches when I was listening to this album, trying to see where the where the truth was. You know, I was trying to challenge my biases a little bit. Um, so one thing you touch on here that I did go through and listen, I was like. Okay, I really like the breakdowns. That's something I really liked about Attack of Memory. And Waste Days, for example, uh, it really is just this, like a, a four-minute song with a four-minute breakdown. And, you know, that's kind of <laughs> how that song is. And so I was like, okay, so the breakdown is really kind of where I think there was a lot of strength in that, in that album. 
And I came back here and I was like, okay, what are the breakdowns like on this new album? Um, and I like the the breakdown Oslo, and I like the breakdown on in the spirit of. But as you noted, some of these songs are kind of short, and I feel like they've kneecapped themselves and taken away some of these breakdowns that were so compelling, and, and the chance to build these songs into these these emotional points. It's all kneecapped and like taken apart because like some of these songs are like two minutes or like two and a half minutes that. Uh, with like one exception here, um, it all kind of like prevents them from being able to deliver that breakdown that I liked, and that and that distinguishes each track from the rest. Because I especially find the drums, even though if I'm in the mood to listen to something loud, yeah, sure, this could be a decent record. Because the drums are just like they are remorseless. They're just trying to pound their way through the rest of the band. And they sound quite similar on every track, you know, super loud cymbals, just really fast tempo. And it's, um, it's over overwhelming, not overwhelming to listen to necessarily, but it overwhelms the rest of the band. I, I know what you mean. Um, there are times where I was listening to this and I was listening to the drums and I liked the drums in a vacuum. You know, it just on a single track, unless the drums are really erratic and fast and it sounds, it feels like the drummer's like burning a hundred calories a second. Like he's just yeah. going in he's going crazy. And it's like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like the drums is a highlight. And then you go to the next song, it's kind of the same thing. And you go to the next yeah, song, yeah. it's kind of the same thing. And by the time you get 20 minutes, 15 minutes into this album with this kind of drum pace and they sound great. They're all very produced, and all the hits sound really good. It's just a bit uh, derivative and redundant and gets old. Yeah, it just it gets old. I wish they would have just one or two tracks just to split it up a little bit, like they did on their debut, Turning On, like a very raw, loud album like this with very loud drums, but they have a track where they – Cut through the drum, cut through the drums, and sort of take a breath, have some slower riffs, and just meditate a little bit. Just take their take a, take a breath. Whereas this album, it just wants to punish you from start to finish, which I, which I get. It would be a fun album to go see a live show at, but sure. to listen to it on your own, it's not such a great experience. And, and, and ruthless can be a positive thing in terms of how music's delivered. But I feel like this is more like the repetitive pounding that just kind of wears you down rather than something that's just an onslaught. Uh, yeah. It's, just, it's too one same notey. And, and a song that I thought wasn't, in some ways, in some ways not, as, as uh, Samesy was Nothing Without You, which is second track. Um, yeah, I agree. Macy Stewart from the Chicago band uh, OHMME or O H M M E is on the chorus and it's a welcome addition. Uh, I thought it helped the band stand out. Just having a different vocalist uh, performing their part, it just does wonders. It's not they should have put the track somewhere deeper in the playlist. Or the track the yeah, yeah, I agree with you 100%. It's just like coming out of the beginning of the album, actually, I wasn't that upset. Uh, Oslo or nothing. Without you and the spirit of are kind of like some of the better tracks in my in my opinion. I agree, um, but it just kind of got harder to to stomach after that. Um, but I even criticize this is it's it's a chorus song. Um, this and a few other songs, like in in the lieu of like compelling songwriting, song structure, or uh, even lyrics, they just choose to repeat the chorus and replace breakdowns with just another repetition of the chorus before ending mm -hmm. the song. And that, that feels like a lazy uh, uh, like song building strategy. And like you can do that for a song or two. Like if this was the only song on the track that kind of did this or one or two, uh, I wouldn't have been so critical of that. But like it, it felt like the, the band realized that this, the, the the hook and the chorus was actually kind of good. This is probably one of the better, you know, sounding music. And then they just you even take that and just like ram it into the ground. You know, they just repeat the chorus like over and over and over again. 
like a pop rock song would. And it's just like, <sighs> it's like even what I liked, I can find stuff that, that I didn't like. And it kind of, uh-huh. you're right. It is very pop rockish oriented. It's almost like this is the song that they're going to market as the single mm-hmm. from this record. See, I don't dislike what's happening on this song. Uh, some, it's kind of like some old school emo, post hardcore. Uh, it's fine. I like that kind of music. Uh, it's probably a highlight track on the whole album. There is a small breakdown on this, but it just kind of leads back into the chorus. I end up thinking it was okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought yeah, Oslo it... was okay. I thought Spirit of was okay. I thought a lot of these songs were okay. It's Love, A Longer Moon, okay. Uh, some of them even like kind of like lean into great. I think uh, A Longer Moon is a great track, uh, which is near the end. It's the second last track. Great vocals, uh, and the initial opening is great. Uh, I love the song that the, the the song shifts midway uh, midway through. Uh, the music breathes a lot more, and the breakdown energy is great and fantastic. They took a shorter track and really brought out that cloud nothing's energy and hectic breakdown. Like even though it was a shorter track, they still managed to kind of like put those elements in there, which made me believe that they could do that on these other tracks, even though they're shorter. But I thought the longer moon was one of the only tracks that really accomplished that. Yeah. I mean, this album is more or less what I would consider hardcore emo. Yeah. And it's reflected in the length of the tracks because most of them are under three minutes. And to tag on to what you're saying, the longer moon. Okay. Yeah. It's, um, it has a little bit more space. It has some builds, but again, it's less than three minutes. And if they would have taken a song like that, just space it out longer, it mm-hmm. would be way better, especially coming off the super hardcore track. It's love, which is one of my favorite tracks on the album because it adds some diversity to an other words, to an otherwise, sorry, a monotonous track list. I, I, had positive, I had positive feelings about it's love as well. Uh, but I did end up feeling like it was just so, like it just cuts off when, once it starts getting going, you know, like there's no room to breathe. It's like they ran out of ideas for the song and then just edit, ended it, you know. Uh, I, I like the creamy guitar that they added on this, which is I hadn't heard anywhere else on the album. Uh, the rhythm was different. It, it felt like a, a strong, uh, like a song structure that was different, you know. And the chorus needed a little bit of work, but it wasn't horrific. You know, there's worse on this album. I'll get into that. Uh, but then it just kind of ended for me. And it's like, I just got to let it decide. Like, I, like, if this was in the middle of a better album, I would have given it a lot more uh, credence for being short. Uh, but at this point, it just felt like half song. Undeveloped to you. Yeah. Because it came after a bunch of half what feels to be half baked ideas or right. not i wouldn't even say half baked but just not fully realized no i'd say half baked half baked yeah. ideas like, i mean i i like it's love i think it's just it just hits hard it's quick it's got that hardcore snap that i expect from hardcore punk and i think it would it would it would have an even deeper impact if the songs that came before it weren't also like tight and yeah, like just trying to do everything all at once. Right. So, how did your listens go? You said the first time you listened to this, you were kind of bummed. Like, how did that progress for you? I mean, I was bummed because you said you had a lot of opinions about it, and we had just done like a lightning round of albums, and I hadn't listened to the record before that episode. And when I listened to it, I was like, man, we should have just covered this on that show because I didn't really have I didn't really have a lot to say about it because there's not much to talk about. And then I listened to it again. Like none of the tracks really stood out to me, except for Oslo and Nothing Without because Oslo was longer, it seemed more f- uh, fleshed out. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. Nothing Without You has has those backup vocals and that nice chorus which okay, may seem a little bit formulaic, 
but it's still it's good to listen to and uh, after listening to the whole album it at least has some new vocal it has something different about it that the other songs which are so similar to one another don't have right i actually agree with you i wish this was covered in a little more short form i i did have a suspicion that this was going to happen because i listened to the last album and i didn't like that one either um mm-hmm. I gave you an out. <laughs> I remember this. I said, you don't have to pick Cloud Nothings if you don't want to. That was my out for uh-huh. you. Okay, like, so no, no, I, should also, I should also mention that I, up until this point, I hadn't, left, I hadn't listened to anything by Cloud Nothings other than Wasted Days. So I yeah. was going specifically off the good faith that they would deliver another world beater of an album like that. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Or no, least- I... Or at least something in that in that similar pedigree, you know? Right. And, and that's why I was kind of curious, because we come from similar backgrounds going into this album. Um, we really have mostly that album as reference. And so listening to this band and this album with that as reference, it's hard not to complain. Because mm-hmm. it's different. It is different. It, this is more of a straightforward, hardcore punk, power pop kind of chorusy album. Uh, with a few old school kind of cloud nothings uh, builds and vocal performances littered without that's a little inconsistent and and not all there. But there's one song for me that stands out as the worst of the worst. This was the most blandest nothing song on the whole album with sound of alarm. This was my least favorite song. The chorus is terrible too. I need to make, I need oh I need to make time for me for me I need to make time for me for me I need to make time for me for me to believe what I can be I need time for me for me and as annoying as it is to listen to me just say it is it is to listen to it in the song it is the yeah. most unimaginative half baked chorus I would just <laughs> this was the song that made me turn off the album the first okay time. yeah this is I was yeah, just was- like, this is so bad. <laughs> Yeah, those lyrics make the Weezer album we listened to the other day or the other week sound like Shakespeare or yeah, I don't know, just, John Donner. Uh, it was I was just not into this song. This song was like just not doing it for me. I uh, I I also noted Open Rain. Um, the drums were great on that song, as we were mentioned earlier. I just thought it was a little structure lacking. Another chorus song. It's got a. Uh, this is kind of what I kind of noticed as uh, it being a chorus ender, like a chorus song that just kind of mm-hmm. instead of the breakdown, it just goes to the chorus and then we're right again. And that was a, another one of those songs I noted. But um, I kind of... This album has a lot of existential angst as far as the lyrics goes. Right? It's a lot about, it's a lot of navel gazing going on. Mm-hmm. However, I like Open Rain the most. Like it's... I didn't go deep into the lyrics or anything, but Open Rain seemed at least a little less whiny, unlike Sound of Alarm or even uh, The Spirit Of, which we referenced earlier. Mm-hmm. But the whole album from front to back is very, like, uh, yeah, it's very navel gazy. Like, he's very much concerned about himself and. Oh God, uh, what am I going to do with myself and all this existential angst? And I mean, I guess it sort of fits the the emo hardcore emo aesthetic, but yeah. Uh, God, I found it a little bit tiresome. Yeah, I, I kind of did too. It, I kind of cut off my uh, my story a little earlier, at the point where I said, "I wish Steve Albini produced this." Uh-huh, okay. Uh huh. Okay. And then I realized, oh, oh my goodness, he did produce this. Could I, could I be that biased that where I thought he wasn't producing it, I thought it was trash, and I would go back with our ears hearing all the amazing production now, and, and, and everything would come to light. And at first, I think I, I wished it. You know, I kind of liked the song. I was like, oh, that's now that's probably when I stumbled upon. Um, uh, a longer moon and i kind of liked it and i was like okay maybe because i i just picked a random song to put on and tried to stop listening to the album in such a 
beginning to end fashion and try to give some tracks a little more attention to help them stand out to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did that, and that's kind of how I discovered the longer movie was like, because by the time usually I'm at the end of the album, I'm kind of too tired and annoyed to pay attention to this track. But I thought this track. I agree. Was really good. Yeah, I um, agree. But uh, listening, just picking it and turning it on, there's actually a lot there to like, and I think uh, maybe you should go back and listen to it if uh, it kind of was lost on you in some initial listens. Um, but I heard well, that song. I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe I am wrong. You know, maybe I was just being a curmudgeon, biased, and dilly hole. You know, uh, so I was like, okay, let's do this again. And I listened to the album front to back, and I'm listening to the drums. I'm like, the drums sound great. The production here is great. You know, I came away more positive, I guess, mm-hmm. because I was more infatuated with the fact Albini was doing it. And then I listened to it again, and then I listened to it again. And I, and I just kind of sat, I had to sit there and come to the realization that my hero can't save everything, you know, <laughs> his production, he, he can make the drum sound real good, but he can't make you write a good song. He, he can't make yeah, you, the... he, he can't make you create and structure music in a compelling way. He can only do so the, much. The song structures are the fundamental issue with the whole album. Uh, sometimes they're all right. And as a one of or two of of these song structures, uh, we've been fine. Uh, but I, uh, it was just too much. I think after a while, because I I like the production on the album. Like I I like the grittiness of it. I like how loud the drums are, and I like those cymbals. The way they sound sound great. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like the. I guess the distortion they have on the guitar, the guitar sounds really scrappy and very garbled sometimes, especially when it clashes with the with the cymbals. But mm-hmm. you have that track after track after track for a half hour, and the production can be as as noisy yet clean as it is, yeah. and it just wears thin really quick. Right. Uh- I, I after those listens, like I kind of just ended up back where I initially was, and this idea that I had that oh, if only Steve Albini produced this, it would be better, washed away. And I was like, you know what? Even he can't. You know, there's a there's a deeper problem here than who the engineer is, and I kind of came to that realization, uh, and that's kind of where I kind of settled into it today. Is I didn't like this album. I thought it was too formulaic too redundant there's a few highlights here and there uh but mostly it just okay or uh, completely skippable in my opinion yeah very very predictable Mm -hmm. and i'd also like to note even though i was you know singing some praises to the musical production um what did you make of the the vocal engineering on the record He's a little bit hard to hear sometimes, yeah? Uh, I didn't notice anything like that, but I also wasn't I wasn't particularly super intent to listen to his vocals, if I'm going to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Usually his vocals will come scream at me during the, the chorus, and I don't think there was any time during the chorus that it was hard to hear. Uh, and then during the verses, I was probably trying to pay more attention to the music and the drums were pulling my attention away. That I didn't. It might speak to your point that they were harder to hear, and maybe subconsciously is why I did that. But I didn't pay attention to him uh, sometimes, and then other times again when he was nasally, I was just blocking those out, you know. Mm-hmm. And then his voice, most of the time, was just so inoffensive, not bad, just inoffensive and okay. That you know, I kind of didn't pay that much attention to him. So if they were mixed weirdly and in such a way that it couldn't be heard, it was lost on me. I, I wasn't. I. I the quality of the lyrics, or not lyrics, well, even the lyrics, but the, the vocal melodies and his uh, performance was so mild and subdued for a hardcore uh, uh, emo record that mm-hmm. yeah, it, it could have been lost on me. Well, what you said at first really characterizes or drives at what I was saying. During the verses, it's his voice really gets buried underneath, and then in the chorus, they bring it forward, and it's like this push and pull that's happening all the time with his voice is kind of weird. I didn't like it that much. You know, it probably could have been more effective if there was 
uh, more music or more interesting or gripping music coming to the forefront, you know, if his voice yeah. was taking a backseat to something more tangible, that wouldn't have been a problem, I don't think. But where you have such simplistic, uh, repetitive ideas, which is just, it's not bad ideas. These are not bad elements. These are not bad parts to songs, the type of the guitar or the type of drums. It's really just the uh, monotonous you know, drone of them all, kind of just repetitiveness of it. That if there was something more tangible and more intricate there to hold on to, probably the vocals, you know, seeping back into the background wouldn't bother you as much. But where there's less to listen to and less to pay attention to, something like that's going to really become more jarring and easily to notice. Yeah, well, I think maybe that's why I stood out because I was looking for something to to listen just for some other details during the, especially the verses. Mm-hmm. And, and in the early parts of the songs, like the first minute and 30 of all the songs sounds so similar, man. It's just brutal. Especially, and I never, I never took the strategy that you took. I always listened to it from like in a linear fashion. Mm-hmm. from front to back rather than trying to pick tracks and maybe some of the tracks would have sat better but you you know i just get to once i get to sound of alarm or am i something it's just i'm done i'm done you know yeah and, and even am i something isn't a bad track i don't think like it's like it's again an okay track it's probably does a little bit more for stuff but it doesn't stand out amongst the pack. i'm just so I'm just so weary of the album by that point. That just if it was the only track really like that, it probably would have a nice home on like a different album. And that's kind of how I felt about some of these tracks. Is that if I could just transplant this track into another album, I'd Mm -hmm. probably feel a lot better about it and more positively towards it. You know, if a longer moon or it's love or am I something or nothing with AU Oslo were kind of like structured in a better structured album or like really the garbage was like taken out of this and like more emphasis put on other parts and a better pacing. Like I can see a good album here. I can see how attack on memory came from this guy, but it's almost like he, he, he doesn't remember how he did it. Yeah. I mean, you know, he could just like if he just assembled some of these tracks because some of them are so similar together, mm-hmm. and maybe chill out on the tempo a little bit. I think the problem is like he's just having trouble building a bridge or something. But the you know math rocky polyrhythmic wonder that occurs on wasted days just is totally lost on this record man. there's not a there, the only hint of math rock on this album is probably the drums on some of the tracks uh, i wouldn't put a lot of math into this but there's definitely in you know attack on memory which end of the day i'm just going to end up telling people go listen to that album and i'm sorry that this happened too it's a it's a tough out for the band hopefully they can sort of pull like the just pull the songs together you know like this that's the problem is that the songs are they just are so samey they're so they're so sing- singular in tone if you could just take two of these similar songs and bridge them together i think he could make more like it would be a more compelling tune to listen to even though it might be 6 or 7 minutes Right, it's it's almost like the band I want him to be and the band he wants to be are two different things. And you know, I but guess then again, I guess whatever be with the band you want to yeah. be, but I'm not going to listen to it. Yeah, I mean, certainly that this is certainly, in my opinion, uh, it's a a step back. You could say I said revisionist retro earlier, but if I'm going to be critical about it. It's a step back rather than forward. Not that a band always needs to be in a state of evolution, but... Right. I honestly completely disagree with that whole idea that he went back to that kind of... Maybe in the terms of... I guess in maybe the fact that he is stuck at home during the pandemic and he's writing songs like that again. I guess that maybe is what he means. But in terms of sound, like Mm -hmm. bedroom-crafted songs, you know, back to that... Uh, whole ideal maybe that's what he means 
because in terms of sound, in terms of the songs and what's coming out of these, this doesn't sound like anything like those two first two albums. Yeah, I mean the the record is the sh- called the Shadow I Remember. So when it comes uh, to the end of this album, I think I would suggest people listening to Nothing Without You and maybe Oslo, and the rest are completely skippable. Uh, and, and honestly, you you don't really need to go to your way to listen to those tracks either. Honestly, if I'm gonna be, I mean, yeah, I I would have a hard time recommending this album to anybody. It's you're not you're not missing out on anything, and there's not there's nothing new here, and the band has better records to be listening to. So, you know, it, why it, bother with this? Yeah, I agree. Um, I was gonna say, I looked up the reviews to this album during my listens because I was like, because I was trying to find the truth between my biases and uh, what I wanted to hear versus what's being heard. And like, you know, I was trying, I was trying to be as objective as possible um, mm-hmm. with, with an album uh, or a band that it's hard for me to be that way with. Um, and there's a lot of like 70%, 80%, you know, four and a half stars, four stars uh, of ratings on this album. And I can't in good conscience match that kind of rating. I mean, what is, what is the general consensus? Why people on average, right? this, is, this is getting like a 75 or 100, I think. And it's so, cool. I mean, like that, the 75, I mean, that's this pretty high score, you know, this is almost an eight out of 10. Right. Um, Pitchfork gave us a 7.2, and honestly, I think Pitchfork's a little biased themselves because uh, back in the day when Attack and Memory came out, they were kind of like the... They were boistering uh, this band up on their back and really telling everyone to come look and look look at this and, you know, had them at their their uh, festival that they have. And all, all the reviews from Pitchfork are between... Like, uh, that's probably the lowest at 7.2, but 7.2 and like nine. And I was like, I don't know if I agree with that. Like, it feels like a uh, pitchfork being, being a little polite to their good buddy, uh, Cloud. I Nothing. mean, let's, uh, you know, take a shot at pitchfork for a second because their review of Black Country New Roads debut record that we reviewed last week. Is yeah. sitting at a seven point five or a seven point six, something like that. Maybe seven, maybe seven point eight, but it's it's not wow. even an eight. Wow! And they gave this a seven point two or seven point three. So I mean, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna be honest. I'm I was feeling a four for this album. You know, it's not trash. Yeah. Where where it would end up in the one, two, and three range? Uh, it's just so subdued mediocre mediocre and the fact that it is mediocre pisses me off a little bit from five to a four so i'll be honest uh maybe it serves a five but i'm just so disappointed that it's a four for me yeah like i said i i wouldn't buy the record certainly so it's it can't be more than a five but if the if the guys were in town and the tickets to the show wasn't weren't very expensive, I'd go see them play these songs because it'd be a fun fun concert to go to and go mosh in. Yeah, I'd but as that. but as far as an album, like to con- consider the idea of the album, it's just so one note and I'm everything we've just been saying. I don't want to repeat repeat myself. So yeah, I'm I'll I'll give it a five. Okay. Okay. I think yeah. this is our lowest ranked album, I think, so far. For sure. I mean I say five, but I can I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna be listening to it again, so I could certainly give it a four. But I could see like there's there's a music fan out there for this for this record. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. People liked it, like I said. The the views generally positive. There's a few six out of tens or sixty percents that I I kind of read some of those reviews and I kind of agreed more with what they were saying uh, mm-hmm. than some of these other stuff. Some of these other reviews of this album, I was like, I don't know if we listen to the same album. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, 
it, it has some cool riffs and stuff, but it just it doesn't do anything to bolster its strengths. And... I, I I often wonder if I hadn't heard any of their other albums, how I'd feel about this one. Yeah, I mean, you got to sort of try to come at records on on their own terms mm-hmm. because the band isn't going to stay one way. Right. Uh, so it's like it's, but it's also not not impossible to. Uh, have that comparison you know it's hard to not have that even lingering in the back of your mind that kind of like why is why why is this like this and not like this you know it mm-hmm. kind of based a lot of my thoughts and i even tried to like remove it from my brain and listen to it as you know just a a hardcore uh, like emo pop uh rock kind of album and like trying to stay my, my mind there and that's when i enjoyed it the most to be fair um, mm-hmm. I found the most to to take from it, uh, but after uh, more repeated listens, even that you know just kind of weird away, and just I kind of fell back into my original view as I didn't like this album. Yeah, it's a bummer. There's no doubt about it. Well, we'll uh, we'll have to move on and uh, check see what the what other albums are on the horizon to hopefully wow us. Do you have well, anything in have- mind for next week? I know King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard released a double LP. Oh, geez, a double LP. That should be interesting. I know. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, God. But uh, I, we discussed it a little bit already, but Lana Del Rey has a record coming out. Juju mm-hmm. at the end of the month, but this sort of early section of the month, I'm not sure. Unless you want yeah. to give that Nick Cave and Warren Ellis album uh, the full treatment. Because it's been getting pretty good reviews from what I've yeah, seen. I've also seen that it's been getting some decent reviews. And I was thinking about it too, because I know you had mentioned it and I kind of talked about it in loose. So I wasn't sure well, if, uh, if we reason, would go in. Sorry, part go of the reason I bring it up is because it's not, the dynamic is a little bit like this band, only reversed. I'm very familiar with uh, Nick Cave and Warren Ellis's music, whereas you are only familiar with a couple of the albums. Mm-hmm. And so you would maybe come as with less bias, less expectations, more of a tabula rasa, open-minded about the record and be able to give a truly objective opinion about it. Right, right. Absolutely. Um We'll see. We'll see what we, we, we stumble upon. I know all the new releases uh, drop on Friday, which is probably when this is dropping. Um, so, well, I will have to look, see what's there, and uh, maybe we'll have another Omnibus episode in a week or two. So we have the first quarter albums coming up soon. By the end of the month, we'll have every album that was released the first quarter. Maybe we'll uh, pick our favorites from the first quarter, something, something fun like that. Okay, like a ranking. That could be cool. Just more or less like, a, uh, you know, people ha- don't listen to every review, I'm sure. So just kind of like give them a, a please don't miss this kind of album, kind of topping, kind of how we're feeling with the first quarter, you know, what albums landed where for us. Yeah, and people love lists. So, exactly. uh, yeah, I love lists. Can... Well, uh, I think that's it for this week. Um, thank everyone for listening. Um, for those people who uh, you know are constant listeners to the podcast, I thank you. I very much appreciate your uh, your views and your downloads. Uh, if you can uh, take a second to to like the podcast or subscribe to the feed or uh, share this uh, to anyone who might listen, that'd be super appreciate that as well. But uh, until uh, until next week, uh, toodaloo. Sorry, cloud nothings. <laughs>